Hello, everybody. Welcome to Vineyard Community Church. As we continue on in the study we're doing through the New Testament, we've been working through the New Testament a chapter at a time. We're 137 lessons in. We're about halfway through the New Testament, although it's a, it's a, yeah, a little, probably a little better than halfway um, through it. We've done the Gospels already. We've done uh, Acts. We've done a f- few of the smaller letters that Paul wrote, and now we're into Corinthians. We're, we're ta- tackling the letters in the order we believe he wrote them, Paul wrote them, under the anointing of the Spirit, of course, so that you can sort of stay in tune with the missionary journeys and what's happening and sort of hear some things that we talked about in the book of Acts as it pops up again in, uh, in these letters. And, and part of what we talked about in Acts does actually pop up in this chapter today, and so we'll have that as a reference for when we go through it. But we're going to be looking into 1 Corinthians 16. It's the last chapter in this first letter. Um, this, is, this has been an, uh, an amazing journey. If you've been with us and watched the issues that Paul has to deal with in Corinth, and yet at the same time, um, you get a sense of all the neat things that were happening there in the church. The church was growing. There was a clear evidence of, of God being in the midst there. Uh, the Holy Spirit was moving. Uh, and yet there was divisions and there was differences and uh, they had some discipline issues. Uh, people were still being delivered from superstition and fear of the uh, idol worship that they were involved in. Uh, and they were experiencing this very exciting new freedom in God's presence, which was there abundantly. All the spiritual gifts were in operation uh, in the church, and, uh, and the church was excited about all that. And, and the Corinthians themselves, their attitudes and their values were, were undergoing massive transformation in the process. And we also, we've seen that the, the believers there um, studied the scriptures to find out what was going on with, with different issues. They tried, they searched the word for guidance, um, and Paul and, and praised them for doing just that, although we also saw how, how sometimes people can search the scriptures, and, and based on their bias, they, they can come up with some, some different ideas, and then if they get stuck to those ideas, it causes division, rather than uh, allowing some room for the Holy Spirit to kind of come in and really straighten things out. Um, but Paul says it's good that you looked into the scripture for that. Uh, the women were breaking out of their servitude that had been upon them culturally for generations. And they were rejoicing in their freedom and liberations and finding important roles in the new church. And uh, the Corinthians seemed to be very responsive to truth. And, and Paul writes this letter sort of convinced that they'll, they'll make the changes that they need to make in the process. And all of this, I think, gives us a, a clear picture um, that transformation in these people's lives had begun. The, the believers were changing and growing, and they were becoming new and different people. At the same time, we've also seen that this growth was being slowed down um, because there was a lack of one vital, vital quality in the body. Well, Paul, when we uh, studied the, the books and letters to the Thessalonians, he was able to say this to them in 1 Thessalonians 4.9, About brotherly love we do not need to write you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. That's what he wrote to the Thessalonians. But to the Corinthians, Paul had to say, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And he had to teach them how to handle their differences in love. So, so you can see that, you know, in, in Thessalonica, they figured out the whole love thing. But in, the, in Corinth, they hadn't. 
And they needed to be instructed because that's where real growth takes place. So we learn to love each other well. So we get, learn to love each other, even in, in our differences, um, that we're able to let love be first and, and um, love make a difference in our lives. And once the church loses that, it becomes a very bitter, mean, critical, not fun place. And, uh, and so it's in love. I mean, we, we'll have some differences and we'll, we'll have some things and we'll, we'll, we'll study the scriptures and we'll see different things. But, but if we can love each other on the main stuff and allow the Holy Spirit to work, we, we, can, uh, we can continue to grow together, which is what's so important. Um, Paul's last reminder to the Corinthians that we see today is, is do everything in love. Do everything in love. That's a great scripture. 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Do everything in love. That's, that's why I love those things. Because I've already taught you what everything means, right? Everybody knows what everything means? Everything. In love. That's probably enough. If you get that one down, you probably got it about what it looks like. So um, let's look into 1 Corinthians 16, just real quickly in our time together. 24 verses today. It's pretty much a, a goodbye chapter uh, as he's finished this very difficult, hard letter. And yet, filled with love even in his correction. He's loved the people well. And uh, he's looking forward to seeing them again. And, and so he's kind of rounding things up and answering the last couple of questions and moving along. So 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 24. Now, about the collection for God's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then, when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve, and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. After I go through Macedonia, I will come to you, for I will be uh, going through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay with you a while, or even spend the winter, so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost, because a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. If Timothy comes... See to it that uh, he has nothing to fear while he is with you, for he is carrying on the work of the Lord just as I am. No one then should refuse to accept him. Send him on his way in peace, so that he may return to me. I am expecting him along with the brothers. Now about our brother Apollos. I strongly urge him to go to you with the brothers. He was quite unwilling to go now, but he will go when he has the opportunity. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. Do everything in love. You know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. I urge you, brothers, to submit to such as these and to everyone who joins in the work and labors at it. I was glad when Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Archaeus, 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 sorry, Archaeus, I can't remember his name, this guy with an A name, arrived because they have supplied what was lacking from you. For they refreshed my spirit and yours also. Such men deserve recognition. The churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets at their house. All the brothers here send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. If anyone does not love the Lord, a curse be on him. <laughs> I like 
<laughs> That's pretty funny, don't you think? And then he says, come, O Lord. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love to all of you in Christ Jesus. Amen. And so ends 1 Corinthians, the letter that was written by the Apostle Paul under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So let's, uh, let's dig in and talk about a few things together. And uh, like it won't be as long as it has been lately because we have 24 verses, so we're in pretty good shape. Uh, in the first four verses of 1 Corinthians 16, Paul is uh, kind of shifts from um, all of the spiritual gift and the love and all the talk and what he needs to do. And then he, and he gets into a very practical thing. And he starts talking about the offering for the church in Jerusalem. Paul actually talks about giving more than anybody else, scripturally. And uh, there's a, we know from our study in Acts that Paul ultimately takes this offering that's being collected in all the churches, the Gentile churches, and he personally delivers it to the church in Jerusalem. And it's a big deal. And he was, uh, he was determined later on, at, at some point, he becomes determined that he's going to be a part of it. And there's something about the connection that he's, he's trying to make between the church. It was very important to Paul that the, the Gentile church um, step in and help the primarily Jewish church in Jerusalem. It was a big deal to Paul. He thought it was just a way to bring in cement in um, all that God was doing and all that was taking place uh, now that the Holy Spirit was moving among the Gentiles as well and the church had spread and that his whole mission and ministry was to Gentiles. And so he's encouraged the, the churches in the area to prepare an offering to go to Jerusalem. And he, he said, ultimately what he says, it should be systematic in their giving and, and it should be according to their income and they should set aside a sum of money um, each, the, the first day of each week so that when he gets there to go, a collection doesn't have to be made. And what he's saying is, look, I, 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 don't, I want you to just get into it because you, you asked about it. They asked a the question, what about this offering? We've heard the churches in Galatia are taking, we want to get in on it. And he said, I, so I don't want it to be an issue. You want in, here's, just get it ready. And he explains that a little more in 2 Corinthians 9. Uh, I'm going to read that to you. The, and then when we study for 2 Corinthians 9, we'll, we'll look at it again. The first seven verses. Paul says to the, the church in Corinth again, There's no need for me to write you about this service to the saints. For I know your eagerness to help, and I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling that since last year in Achaia you were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action as well. But I'm sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready, as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given." Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for the Lord, for God loves a cheerful giver. Paul's just preparing them, and he says, you guys want it in, and, and uh, we've been bragging about your willingness. And he says, some of these people from the church we've been bragging about are probably going to be with us when we swing by to pick up the offering. And, and it's got to be ready, guys, or we're going to look like fools if we show up and you go, what offering? <laughs> And so, and, and then it becomes, see, then they'd have to take it up, and rather than be something that people are happy to give, it becomes something that's grudgingly given. So I don't, I, I don't, 
you should always settle that with God and give what he tells you to give so that you feel good about it. It should never be something. No one should ever guilt you into giving because it's not how it's supposed to be. If someone, and some people are really good at that. If someone guilts you into giving, it's only, God's not, God doesn't operate on the guilt principle. I'm pretty sure I can show you that scripturally. That guilt's not coming from him. And so, uh, it, it should be a willingness thing. But see, when it comes to people, uh, money is a funny thing. Because it, we tend to put some hope in money. If, and, and, and it, it can quickly get in the way of what, what it's supposed to be doing for us. And so one of the reasons that Paul is always continuously you know, stressing the, the thing about giving and why Jesus talks about giving and the scripture talks about giving is that when you, when you get a hold of that mindset, um, you know, the whole, it's, it's where your heart is all about. You're, you know, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Where, where, where you know, when you're settled in that, it doesn't become a... a, a a horrible thing to have to give. It becomes because God is good and this is what he, he wants us to do, we do it. And it should, that's, it should be as difficult as that is. He says, do this? And well, okay, it's his anyway. But, but no one should have to beat you up for uh, forgiving. You just shouldn't. And, and uh, it shouldn't happen. So if anybody's ever making you feel that way, that's, for, to me that's always a sign. Because I've been in spots where people really were beating me up for cash. Uh, and, and I'm like, ah, man. And so now when that happens, I always figure that's a release. Oh, I don't have to give. He's beat me up. <laughs> and then I go, really? Right? And then, then I listen. So Paul is just, that's what he's talking about. Look, the, the church in Jerusalem had this need. The Gentile churches were doing a little better. Uh, although some of them were in a pretty bad spot as well. But they were given out of that desire to bless um, to bless the church in Jerusalem. And we know from Paul's life, it's one of the last things that he, he accomplishes. He gets that offering into Jerusalem. And it's a big deal to him to, to go and bless the needy church in Jerusalem with money from the Gentile churches. It's kind of a very unifying thing. And we studied that in the book of Acts. And then verses 5 through 7, uh, Paul starts talking about wanting to make a journey soon, but at this point in time he's really not sure of what's coming next, and he's, he's listening for God and, and asking God to guide his steps. Uh, and he, he uh, wants to go and visit all the churches that he's uh, sort of planted in that area and that are participating in this offering. And he wants to go to Corinth, and he wants to be able to spend some time with them, maybe a winner. So he'd like to come and spend. He doesn't want to just pass through there. Um, especially after dealing with some of the hard stuff he's been dealing with. Uh, he wants to come and hang out. Let him know that he loves him. Remember, in all these churches that he went to, the people in the churches loved Paul. They loved him. We see all these stories of they hated when he left because they felt so comfortable with him. And, and he was so such an encourager and, and uh, uh, just had that, that thing on him that they didn't want him to go. So he was saying, I'd love to come and hang out with you. And they were excited about the process. But in verses 8 and 9, he says he's going to stay in Ephesus. I love this. Um, because great doors of opportunity were opening to him, and the opposition was also great. I love Paul's perception of his ministry. Um, that opposition was a sign to him that he was having an impact for the kingdom. And he's saying, lots of neat stuff's happening, and man, are they getting upset about it. And so I'm going to stay. <laughs> Don't you love that? I mean, they're going to have to run him out again for he won't leave otherwise. I mean, remember in Acts we read and he, they, they stoned him to death. 
dragged him out of the city, and, they, and, and either he's dead and he pops up, which I, I think has happened in the prayer. But you know what he does? He goes right back in again. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't. I added that part. That wasn't biblical. <laughs> so please don't look for that. Where does Paul say? <laughs> It's not in the book. But I love that. He's, see, for him, opposition wasn't a reason for leaving. It was a reason for staying. How cool is that? What a kingdom principle that is in the process. Okay. And then uh, verses 10 and 11, he says, Look, I'm hoping to send Timothy to you. And when he comes, take care of him. Um, and he would send Timothy or Titus or some of the other guys, Erastus, some of the guys that were with him. Uh, he would send them to the churches to go and bless the churches. And, and they had um, been around Paul so much that they, they were, it was almost as good as Paul going. And, and, uh, and so he said, look, I'm going to probably send Timothy out to you. Just make sure he's taken care of. Don't keep him too long. And don't wear him out because I need him back. And uh, when it's time for him to go, send him back to me in peace because we got, we got this journey to make and I want him to come with me. And so he lets him know Timothy might be coming. Then in verse 12, um, he talks about Apollos. And remember, Apollos was in one of those earlier things. You know, some people said they followed Paul and some Apollos and some of these other things. And, and, and Paul has to deal with all of that and the process about division. And I like what it says, too, because it said, I urged Apollos to go, but he felt strongly that he shouldn't. Not now, anyway. He felt strongly that he should stay in Ephesus with Paul. He uh, probably along the same lines as Paul. There's neat stuff going on, and he felt like he was supposed to stay. I also like that Paul seemed to be okay with that. It gives you an idea. Paul calls these guys fellow workers, and he just didn't, you know, dictate to them. He, he suggested that he go, but, but Paul said, I think I'm supposed to stay, and Paul's all right with that. And he'll go later, and he'll do what he's supposed to do. So I get a kick out of that. Verse 13 and 14. Be on your guard. These are some parting words of wisdom now. Stand firm in the faith. Be people of courage. Be strong. Do everything. In love. And, and there's the, the direction, the admonition to love again. Do everything in love. As we committed to Christ, as we stay committed to Christ and each other in love, the Holy Spirit continues His ministry of changing and growing and transforming us. And so, all these years later, it's still what we need to be committed to. Christ and one another in love. We talk about that all the time. It's the foundation for all that we do. In verses 15 through 20, Paul saying his goodbyes and his final encouragement, and, and uh, he tells them to, to encourage one another with a holy kiss. The holy kiss was an expression of love, forgiveness, and unity. It, it sort of had tied into the whole communion sort of process, and uh, it was just a very simple, affectionate greeting. Um, and and he, he encouraged them to, you know, go the extra step. We're, we're not, uh, in our culture, big um, um, kissers. Uh, when you go into Latin cultures, they're a little more involved in kissing, but they do the air kiss. Have you seen that whole thing that I'm talking about? They get cheek, say cheek, and they go like that, and they never touch each other. We, we learned that when we were doing ministry in Cuba. They, they, so you go, and they put their face over here, and you would never actually touch you. You make a kiss noise, which sometimes can hurt if somebody does it right in your ear. Have you ever had that experience? Okay. I don't know why I mentioned that, but... And then in verses 21 through 24, uh, apparently up until that point, Paul's been dictating this letter. Uh, he grabs the pen himself, 
and he starts to write the last few little statements. Um, and like I said, he takes this quick shot at the false teachers that he'd been talking about, where he says, you know, if anyone doesn't love the Lord, a curse be on them. I, I kind of think that's just... Yeah, he said do everything in love, all this stuff, except for them false teachers. A curse be on them. But it's just kind of tossed in there. I think it's great. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, we love my everybody. Love each other, except for those false teachers. A curse be on them. And then he switches right back to, he says, Maranatha, which is Aramaic for come Lord Jesus. And I just, I get, a, I get the biggest kick out of that. It, it seems so out of place. But I think he's just taken a little, except for those guys. Love everybody well, except for them guys. They're causing the mess. <laughs> and he's basically saying, Lord, take care of that mess. And get those people out of it. Because he doesn't want these false teachers messing with the people that he loves. Do you get, that's where that's coming from. It's like, don't, don't mess with my, the people that I love with your mess and, and putting them under your bondage and your false teaching. And then uh, he says, you know, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. That's what that word means, come Lord Jesus. So this whole letter serves as a reminder, I think, that um, our Christian walk uh, and growth is a process. And we have to remember that. He's working in us to transform us by his spirit. But the process takes time. Paul writes this to the Philippians in, uh, in chapter 1, verse 6. Being confident in this, he says that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This process that we're all engaged in, none of us have arrived yet. We're all in process. We all got things that the Spirit needs to work on. We will continue to be in process until the Lord Jesus comes back. But it's good to know that he's going to continue to work in us. And continue by His Spirit to change us and cause us to grow and mature in Him. And so as that process continues, and some of it's really cool, and some of it, as you know, is a little difficult. Um, but until the Lord comes, like Paul, we should all be saying, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. And so the letter to the Corinthians ends. Amen. Amen. Uh, if you're watching by video or on television, thank you very much for watching. We're glad that you have tuned in. And uh, we will, uh, if you need anything, call us, write us, email us. We'll do what we can. We're going to close here with prayer. We hope to see you all again soon.